Hello, I'm Justin Wheeler, and welcome to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. As a nonprofit, you know what it means to put your heart into something. Like, you know, no. But when it comes to missions of the heart, your board may not see it as clearly as you do. Today, we'll get both perspectives. Luke Womack is an executive director with passion, while Pat Mullen is a board chair on a mission. I'm talking to these GoFund leaders to discover how they found their footing together and uncover their secrets to board efficacy. And the best part, what Pat and Luke deliver is stuff that every nonprofit can do. You don't need a big board budget to build relationships, ask the tough questions, or recruit the people who have proven their care and interest in your organization. What you need is a board who's willing to show up. Listen as Luke and Pat channel their inspiration and motivation into no-budget-needed actions designed to take your board from barely breathing to fully functioning. Let's dive into the episode. It is your number one priority to ensure that your business can continue to deliver on its mission, whether it's this year, next year, and beyond. I'm always so baffled when I when I do webinars. There's always somebody at the end who raises their hand and says, I'm the development director. Should I have access to the budget? <laughs> I'm always like, yes, you've got to know that. The best thing that we can do is just raise as much money as possible and then give it to the people around the world. If you're going to be sustainable, you have to have a multi-channel strategy to reach all of these different generations of donors however they want to be reached. The best thing you can ever do as a nonprofit leader is spend as much money as possible on your story. And it snowballs like any peer-to-peer campaign. The more people that view this content, the further and further it grows. Then you're doing it wrong. Okay. That is unacceptable and that is not the way to run a board. The more nonprofits can give their donor base that experience of the impact that's being made on the ground level, there's nothing else you have to give someone. This is Nonstop Nonprofit. Hey, listeners, welcome back to Nonstop Nonprofit. Today, I'm excited to have two guests on the podcast, and uh, the conversation is going to be about the dynamics of an executive team and how they interact with the board and vice versa. And so a while back, I posted something on LinkedIn And I'm going to read that real quick just to kind of set the backdrop for today's conversation. This is what I I wrote. I'm going to say this for the nonprofit board members in the very back. Get out of the way of the executive team. Your role is not to control. And if you aren't donating expertise or money or raising funds or introducing your networks, you don't belong on the board. Stop using this as a status symbol and start adding value or make room for someone else that can. Posted this on LinkedIn. And Luke, the executive director of the GoFund, Uh, responded. And we had a great conversation. And he had a great idea to actually bring their board chair, uh, Pat, who is also on on this episode to the conversation. So we can talk about this a bit more. So Pat and Luke, welcome to the podcast. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Glad to be with you. Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to have this conversation today. I think it's an it's an important conversation for nonprofits and for board members alike. Uh, before we jump into into that, I'd like uh, if you could both could uh, give us a quick introduction. So, Luke, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you landed uh, and became the executive director at the GoFund. Yeah, thanks. So, I graduated from college um, about ten years ago with a degree in business administration. Um, honestly, always thought I would start a for profit because when you have a business degree, that's what you do. Um, you yeah. definitely don't start a nonprofit. I think I don't love the terminology because obviously we still seek to make a profit. Uh, we just 
you know, distribute funds to uh, into the back into the mission, uh, not to ourselves. So in any case, that that was never really the plan. But um, yeah, just wanted to do something with my life that that really mattered. Uh, starting a for profit, obviously, it can really matter a ton um, in the community. Uh, but saw this angle that really made sense uh, for me, um, you know, given you know my skill set and even lack thereof in some areas. Just wanted to learn how I could help missionaries get overseas to places uh, who had no access to the Bible. And yeah, realized student debt was a major issue uh, for a lot of my peers who wanted to do that. If you don't know about missions work, it doesn't pay super well. That's not why people get into it. Um, so yeah, uh, on average, we pay about $5,000 a year uh, for missionaries you know, looking to go places, uh, take the Bible where it's never been. So I thought that was pretty meaningful and started from scratch in 2014. And here we are seven years later doing the same thing. That's awesome. I remember I remember meeting you, I think it was at some event like early on when you're just getting started. And so it's been it's been really cool to see the growth and just the clarity around your guys' direction as a nonprofit. So congrats on on building it. It's it's uh it's not easy to build a nonprofit. It's much easier to build a for-profit. From my perspective, I've yeah. done both, and I think uh, nonprofit is just much harder. Uh, so, so congratulations there, uh, Pat. As the uh, you're the you're the chairman of, of the board at the GoFund, uh, would love to hear your story as well, how you got involved, and uh, what what your what your role looks like on on the board. Yeah, so uh, I guess it was six or seven years ago. Our friends were telling us that they were going to this vision dinner for an organization. So I I thought. Uh, I should rescue them from this Ponzi scheme they're getting involved in. But uh, they kind of described it and they were like, no, you know, it's uh, they're paying the student debts of, of missionaries. And so my wife and I were kind of intrigued, but but thought uh, maybe they were selling soap or, you know, we were just kind of <laughs> with a skeptical eye. But uh, yeah, we went we went to this uh, vision dinner and Luke got up and kind of explained the idea of this organization that was going to that, that was going to pay student debt the loans of missionaries who were committed to going to these unreached people groups and we were just super compelled by the idea uh you know he they had three sets of missionaries up on the panel that they they interviewed and said hey if you are you know if you donate tonight we're we're going to put that money directly towards those missionaries so we were super compelled, became, became, uh, you know, what the organization would call champions, but just donors that night, just, uh, just continued to give for a few years and then just had a, a, a different level of interest. I guess we, we didn't, yeah, I was always asking Luke, like, cause you know, the organization had this hundred percent model where hundred percent of your donations go to the actual cause. And, um, I kept asking like, well, how, like, how are your, uh, how's the actual like operations getting funded? You know, I, I, and Luke and I kind of became, became good friends. And so he was just like, yeah, we, we try and raise that. We raise those funds separately. And uh, so then we, we started wanting to give directly to the operation sides of things just cause it was like, wow, that's like the lifeblood of the organization. And uh, you know, the organization is going to die if the operations, uh, the, the funds aren't there for that. So uh, yeah, I think just giving through that, Luke saw, you know, we were, were more engaged than maybe like people who kind of come in the front door and want to give directly to the program. So he invited me onto the board and within, uh, I think a year he approached and just said, Hey, like, I think you might be a good fit for the board chair position. Would you, would you be willing to do that? And I, I didn't know. And like, it was my first time ever being on a board. So let alone to like go from board 
to board chair, I was like, wow, I, I have a lot mm-hmm. to learn, but like, if you, you know, I kind of put my trust that if you think I'm going to be a good fit, like I'll, I'll give it a shot. So yeah, two years later, I'm still learning, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, happy to, happy to do what I can to help. The, the benefit of coming in with, you know, fresh eyes is you don't have to unlearn all the bad habits uh, that we've created, you know, in the uh, boardrooms of, of nonprofits. And so I, I love that, that you came in fresh with fresh perspective. Also absolutely love that, you know, at like there, we need more donors in the nonprofit space that look at sort of operations in the, in the way that you described it. It's the lifeblood of, of any organization. An organization is going to make significant impact. It needs to be well-funded operationally. And so uh, I can I can already I can see where this conversation is going to head in in a very positive direction just with with that type of uh, a mindset and so excited to kind of dig in here, Luke. A while ago we talked uh, on LinkedIn about the dynamics of a well functioning board, and you mentioned uh, that you you have a very a very strong board. In fact, you look forward to the board meetings, and it wasn't always that way. You, you admitted, but. Uh, your guys are in a place now where it's it's functioning the way a board should very productively. So can you talk, unpack that a little bit for us? What do you mean by that? What does a well-functioning board look like uh, in your perspective? If you could shed any any light on that, that'd be really that'd be really great. Yeah, you know, honestly, I did it the wrong way for a long time. Like I mentioned, I've been leading the Go Fund for seven years, and I would say the main thing that allows us to have a well-functioning board it comes right back to board member recruitment. And, you know, there are a lot of different things I could talk about, but I think it's really all about recruiting the right people. And I think often well-meaning executive directors or CEOs get this wrong. Uh, They really want a great board, but here's what they do. Uh, They look for titles. They look for the CEOs, the CFOs, and the CPAs, and they try to fill their board with experienced people. Now, that can work really well, but it can also uh, significantly backfire. And Mm -hmm. the reason that backfires is because you have a bunch of people on your board with, with you know, a ton of success and you know, big titles, letters in front of their name and behind their name, but they don't care about your organization. And that becomes a huge problem because you don't have their hearts, right? You have their heads, but you don't have their hearts. And these are not the types of people who are gonna bleed for your organization. And so what we look for more than anything else, and it's, it's maybe a little bit counterintuitive, uh, but first we're gonna look for people who have demonstrated over time that they have a deep care for the organization, irrespective of the title that they hold. Um, both is nice, uh, but if I could pick one all day, it would be people who have a deep care for the organization. And I can think of like five must have qualities that we're looking for in board members. There's nice to have qualities, but the must haves are those that if these aren't there, there's no way we would ever let them onto our board. Um, so here are the five. Number one, you have to be connected to the organization. I just mentioned that a moment ago. That's kind of the overarching quality. You have to have a demonstrated interest in the organization before you're nominated. So it's not like, hey, I'm looking for a, a board member role. I'm shopping you know, a bunch of different organizations. Like You've been connected to us probably for a number of years. And that brings me to the second thing. Uh, this is kind of evidence of that, if you will. You have to be a current donor. Like mm-hmm. We don't allow anyone onto our board who hasn't been giving to the organization for at least two years. And that's really painful sometimes because we'll have people you know, become new donors. They've been a donor for six or 12 months. And I think, gosh, I'd really like them on the board, but we're looking for longevity, people who are sticking around. So you gotta be a donor of record uh, at least the last two years. Um, and there's a principle that comes out of the Bible that I think really fits here. It comes out of Matthew six twenty one. It says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And I think it's, it's really true. Um, you know, when, where people put their money, that's where their heart is also. And where people put their heart, that's where they put their money. Like 
those two really connect together. So we're looking for people who invest uh, not just with their hearts, but with their dollars as well. Third thing is availability. I know it sounds kind of silly, but you got to be able to attend meetings. I mean, if someone is too busy, too involved um, in their career uh, that they can't show up to a meeting, I get it. Uh, but you'd probably be a better personal advisor, uh, maybe not a good board member. Uh, fourth, mm-hmm. valuable skill set. I mean, we're looking for someone um, ideally who has some skill set. Maybe it's finance, maybe it's fundraising, operations, management, something that they can bring as a gift to the board. And I'll mention this too, um, in terms of the kind of strengths makeup, I don't know if you're familiar with Strengths Finder, uh, but one yeah, of the domains yeah. is strategic thinking. Like more often than not, we're looking for people who have strategic thinking strengths, right? Strategic thinking is all about making better decisions. And the board is there in part to help me make better decisions. That's one of their functions. So we're looking for someone with a valuable skill set. And then the fifth thing, um, which is especially relevant in you know, 2020, 2021, we're looking for charitability. Like we're looking for people who are known as good group decision makers, which is tough. Uh, people who will um, show up to the meeting, lay down their swords, uh, be willing to defer to the group um, and express their opinion, but also do what's best for the organization, even if the board disagrees with them. So I would say those five are kind of must have qualities and building a great board. I think it all comes back to recruiting the right board members. Wow. Yeah. No, those, those are, those five qualities are, are spot on. I, I love that. And, you know, you, I want to kind of piggyback a little bit on this concept of strategic thinking, right? Cause I think this is the, one of the greatest uh, contributions a board can make uh, is, is around being a strategic thinker for the organization. An example of when I was, uh, when I was running Liberty in North Korea, um, we, you know, we were expanding our programs and one of the programs we wanted to expand to, there was a lot of risk. Uh, we were operating in parts of the world that it, it was literally life and death sort of situations. And instead of the board pushing back on expanding in these areas, which were absolutely necessary, instead there's like, like, let's have a conversation around protocols and policies that will help mitigate sort of potential risk. They became like thinkers and helped, you know, kind of strategize. They didn't try to discourage or say, no, sorry, this is just too much risk for us, right? And, and so that type of strategic thinking, I think, is the most most value. And and Pat, I wanted to I wanted to ask you, as as the chairman and as someone who's been on the board, do you feel like you guys have enough space, whether it's in board meetings or other opportunities, to really be strategic thinkers and partners alongside um, Luke and and the executive team? Yeah, I think when I first got on the board, we, you know, I mean, our board meetings are limited time, you know, so the way ours work four hours every quarter. Um, So at first it was like, you know, the first two, two and a half hours were being devoted to like, kind of like updating the board on what's taken place since the last meeting, kind of getting through some of the bureaucratic size of things. And then we'd kind of shove the strategic thinking space for maybe like an hour at the end, or, uh, or we were just filling our meetings with just a lot, just, just too much stuff. We'd have a list of things that we want to get through. And it was like, man, you know, we've gotten, we have 10 things we want to get through and we're going to rush and try and get through everything. And we, we weren't having like really meaningful dialogue at the beginning. So yeah, one of our board members said like, Hey, if you can em- anything that can be read in advance, don't do in the meeting. Like like the financial reports, like, yes, we need to look through the financial reports, but send them out in advance. That way we're not like digesting them in the meeting. So anything you can digest ahead of time, like do it and we can do quick votes in the meeting. 
And that, and then the other thing that we did is rather than starting to like Luke would always update the board on, Hey, this is what happened since the last meeting. And it would just, it was valuable to us, but it would fill up a lot of space. And, and, uh, so we said, Hey, like, let's, let's do a like quarterly update before the meeting, like something that people can read and we'll send that out. We'll, we'll kind of get all of that out of the way. And, and so now we have like three solid hours of our meeting is devoted to strategic thinking and we'll pick at most two topics. So we'll have like, you know, an hour to an hour and a half of really kind of unpacking one topic. And that has made, that has made a world of a difference in our meetings. We have so much time to just have space to think, not feel rushed to get through the topic. And everybody really, really contributes well. I try and like, I'm trying to understand who's, you know, who has what strengths inside the meeting. So sometimes I'll ask questions like, Hey, what, what do you think of that? Or, you know, Hey, if you were to be devil's at, like if, if you were to be devil's advocate, like how would you poke holes in that to try and, mm. you know, get some good conversation flowing and Luke's great at that too. So yeah, it, yeah. to answer your question, like our strategic part of the meeting is like three hours and it's awesome. It's awesome. That's awesome. And I uh, look when you and I talked earlier, you talked about, you know, the, the way sort of like it used to work was, you know, it was, it was you talking for the most part for the most of the time. And then like the last, however, you know, many minutes or whatever was kind of carved for like bigger conversations, which there was obviously never time that, you know, with boards that I've been a part of too, that's, that's very much been the case. I think I've been on the other side like of, of the boardroom, you know, I, I'm the executive team. And like, we, we have this sort of like desire to make sure that our, our board knows everything, all the, especially all the good things <laughs> that, that we've accomplished in the last quarter. Right. You know, we, we kind of treat board members to an extent as like, as donors, and we're still trying to like show our best when we really optimized our board was when the board actually saw the underbelly of the organization, the challenges, yeah. the complications, you know, the, yeah. the big questions that we didn't have answers to, but at times early on, we're too afraid to uh, bring them to the board because we were like, Oh, is this going to like, is this going to discourage their interest in the organization? Are they going to have, are they going to have less confidence in, in the leadership? Um, but when we, you know, when we take a step back, we said, no, this is exactly what the board is for. This is exactly the expertise that we're looking for. It, it, it totally changed. Um, the dynamics sounds like that. your, yeah, sounds like your story uh, is, is similar. So maybe if you could share a little bit, you know, from, from your perspective on how, how you identified that in your board meetings and, and then how you, you know, transitioned to this more strategic meeting approach. Yeah. Like Pat mentioned, I had a board member who approached me after a meeting one day, a couple of years back. And, and she said, um, Hey, I, you know, I just want to be straight with you. The board meetings are really bad. And, and this is out of love right? You know, faithful are the wounds of a friend. So she wounded me, but she did it for a reason. And she said, I can help you, uh, but we got to sit down and talk about it. And effectively, it was, it was what Pat was saying. It was, hey, we're not here to listen to you. Um, we're here to help you. And if you're just going to get up and talk and give us an update, send us that via email. Like we want that stuff, but we're here to solve problems. And so we shifted to Kind of like a post-mortem perspective. So you've heard of a pre-mortem, I'm sorry, a, a pre-mortem perspective. You've heard of a post-mortem. That's like, you know, when, when someone dies, um, you know, you're doing an analysis of what, what was the cause of death. A pre-mortem is like, if the organization was to die or just suffer some type of loss, why would that happen? How would that happen? And how can we prevent that? So we're talking about potential issues uh, before they happen, um, instead of just reporting on good stuff that's happened in the past. So that's shifted a ton. And I think a big piece of that 
of Justin is trust. So trust is simply confidence and someone else's uh, character and their competence. And so building relationships with the board is critical. So I, I want to harp on this real quick. Um, I think one of the primary jobs of an executive director um, is to spend time with individual board members. So if the only time you're seeing board members is at meetings, you're doing it wrong. My target is to visit in person or, or virtually um, in person as possible to visit with every single board member once per quarter. And that's outside of the board meetings. So that, that takes a lot of time. Um, I would say, you know, executive directors, CEOs need to be spending maybe 20% of their time on board related activities. And here's what that does. When I stand in front of the board and I'm giving an update, I'm doing a presentation, I'm participating in a conversation that our chair is leading. I can be honest with them because we have a relationship. I know that they have confidence in me. I have confidence in them because we've already built the relationship outside of the meeting, not just for the five minutes before the meeting starts. So that's a big piece of it is developing good trust so you can be honest in your reporting. No, yeah, that's great advice. I think a lot of times board members, you know, they they kind of get the, the assumption from the leadership team can often be, oh, they're, they're pretty invested. Like they're, they sit on the board. So I don't need to cultivate that these relationships like I would maybe with some other, you know, major donors and so forth. And so, but again, like when, when you have the opposite of a well-functioning board can be a detriment to the organization. It can slow the organization down. It could slow its growth. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's definitely developing a board that's high functioning is definitely a growth mindset, right? It, it's, it's going to help the organization grow. And, and Pat, so from, from your perspective on the board, what do you see in, in Luke or other leaders that gives you the confidence to continue in your duties, right? Because I think like there's, there are, are times when like it could be hard for a board member to either leave, leave an organization, maybe when they lose, lose confidence or, or lose, you know, faith in like the leadership. What does Luke and his team do that instills confidence? You've been around for a while, you start off as a donor and, and have, have continued to get more and more involved. So what is it about Luke's leadership that gives you and the rest of the board a lot of confidence, keep on, you know, showing up to the board meetings and going above and beyond? Yeah, I'm trying to think back, like just from just from starting out as a donor, like what what attracted us to the organization to begin with. And it was, yeah, Luke was so intentional about number one, spending time with the, the people who were connected to the organization, whether it was even just like a, a small connection, you know, a small don donation or like something, you know, that, like that more significant. He would personally reach out to everyone that was getting connected to the organization. You know, if you sent a don donation in, it was like, man, he's on the phone with you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. It's a card in the mail. Thank you so much. Like a handwritten note. Like my wife and I have given to other organizations, you know, just, just because we're like, wow, that, you know, that sounds like a great mission that they're doing. We never hear back from anybody. Nobody ever contacts us from the organization. So it's like, hmm. there is so much intentionality of connecting to, with everybody who's a part of the organization. And it, it really makes you feel like, wow, you're in this big family together. And we've never had that experience with anybody else. So Yeah. I would say that that's probably the largest thing is just his ability to, to connect with people. But then, yeah, secondly, he's, um, he takes criticism so well, he's hungry for criticism. So, you know, it's not like some CEO who kind of has a hot head and says, Hey, kind of, I got the ship taken care of. Like, mm. don't worry about what I'm doing. Um, you know, kind of stay out of my, like he, he is constantly like, Hey, 
where where are the the flaws in this thinking like poke holes in it like let's put the idea over here and let's all attack it at, with our best shot and see if it can withstand um so he's not getting offended at the criticism he's really hmm. welcoming it um yeah it sounds like you know that's a lot of uh, a lot of leaders that I've I've talked with and have worked with you know that like the the fear of of that vulnerability it, it can be perceived as a weakness right and so a lot of leaders just kind of like you know, like I, I've got it figured out, you know, I'm, I'm leading the ship. I'm going to make the calls, that type of thing. But really it's, it's just like, you know, leading with humility, uh, is, is I would argue one of the strongest positions you could lead from. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it looks like that's exactly what, what's happening here mm-hmm. as, as you know, most of our listeners are nonprofits or executive directors, CEOs. We do also have board members that listen as well. And so for those that are listening and, and they're thinking about, all right, as we go into 2022, uh, or uh, you know, as as we think about the next year, we want to really develop and optimize our our board to be uh, you know the best functioning that it can be for for our success. So, any advice that you would give to help executive directors and board members alike, just to be able to drive the organization through a better, well-run board? Absolutely, I, I would say a couple things. Uh, number one, clarity on roles. Uh, I think one of the main reasons that that executive directors and boards get in trouble is you don't know who's doing what. So here's the deal. You have the same objective. Um, it's called the mission, right? You just have different roles. It's like a coach and a quarterback, right? The coach never actually steps on the field, even though he wants to win the game, right? But he and the uh, your quarterback are meeting on the sidelines talking about the game, but then they have different roles, uh, you know, once the clock starts. Um, I've heard it said before about board members that they are to keep their noses in the business and their fingers out. And that's really how Pat operates and how our board operates. They're kind of sniffing around to see, you know, what is it um, that, that could go wrong? You know, what, what is it that maybe already is going wrong? But when it comes to operations and getting your hands dirty, they let me, they let the staff take care of that. And that's really refreshing and it, it builds a lot of trust. So in terms of, you know, the board and the executive director relationship, um, I'm really the liaison between the board and the staff, right? It's really an hourglass structure where the board's at the top, you know, I'm in the middle and then the, the staff reports to me. And they really respect that. They're not jumping, you know, down, talking to the staff. The staff isn't really talking to the board. Um, you know, sometimes that, that happens just for relationship building, but there's a lot of clarity there. So I would say this, in terms of the functions of each role, um, and, and Pat has really helped me see this, and he's offered clarity in the relationship, but uh, board members really do three things. Uh, they, number one, protect the mission. Number two, they hire and evaluate the executive director, that's me, and they ask tough questions. Right. So as we're sitting down in a meeting, their primary thing they're doing, they're protecting the mission. Is this on mission? Is this mission drift? Um, they're evaluating me. Uh, they're asking me really tough questions. Like Pat mentioned, if I'm resistant to that, that makes their job really hard. Um, and then the evaluation of the executive director is going to be going to be pretty bad um, if, if I'm not listening to them. On the other side, the main functions of an executive director, I'm in charge of building a team, raising resources and fundraising, um, ensuring the operations are excellent and smooth and helping to fulfill the mission. And once Pat and I saw, hey, we have actually distinct roles that are both important, um, it, it really helped smooth the gears for organizational growth. And in terms of my relationship with Pat, um, we should be spending more time together than, than I spend with any other board member. So mm-hmm. Pat and I meet every other week. Uh, so that's what, 24 meetings a year. Um, and yeah, we're walking through, you know, a board agenda preparations. He's checking in on me personally, seeing how I'm doing, asking about unique challenges in the organization. So 
Pat knows more about the organization uh, than anyone uh, besides our staff. I mean, he really is in tune with what's going on day to day, not because he's getting his fingers in it, uh, but he wants to be able to report back to the board on what's going on and lead the conversation well. And I'll, I'll finish hmm. with this. I've heard it said that the number one threat to an organization is, and th this is going to sound peculiar because uh, you think of a hundred other things before this, but I, I think there's something here. The number one threat to an organization very well could be lack of communication between a board chair and the executive director. Hmm. That's good. That's, I mean, I, I definitely um, have seen that the breakdown of that happen on, on boards that I, that I've been a part of. Um, and so that's, that's, uh, I've never heard of that, that saying before, but definitely I can see, I can definitely see the strength of it. Um, the other, the other thing I wanted to comment on was, uh, just the thing you mentioned at the top of, of the response, which was the around clarity of roles. Right. And this was, this was something like our, about two years ago board that I said on, we went through this, like this consultation process, how to just better, you know, better serve the organization. And one of the one of the the biggest sort of like takeaways was this this whole notion of of clearly identify each board member's role, whether it's committees or a specific function. And what happened after that was established is the board started meeting outside of board meetings, right? To like talk about the specific things that they were working on. And so you so when board board meetings came, it also allowed board members to be much more collaborative because they were they were having conversations on the side that were sparking, you know, other conversations and questions and so forth. And so the clarity of of roles is is so important. It keeps keeps the the board on track uh, in their lane, uh, if you will, to to really operate the way that they should. Pat, um, give you a few minutes as well to to respond to that uh, that question and any any additional insight that you have. Yeah, so I want to I, I wanted to give like a few t really tangible things that I feel like your listeners might might be able to glean from. So um, number one, I would like meet um, biweekly with your executive director if you're if you're in the board chair seat. Like that relationship is so critical. So the more often that you can meet um, as the board chair and the executive director, like form that relationship. Like Luke and I are good friends outside of the organization, which helps. Um, it helps immensely. But if you don't have a friendship necessarily with the executive director, like meet, uh, meet often and, and form a relationship with that person. Secondly, I would read this. This was so huge for me, uh, the board and the CEO by, by Peter Greer. Um, that is where, that is where I got, I mean, Luke was the one that suggested it, but it, it's where we found, Hey, what are the three functions of the board? Because being on the board, I'm like, what do I do? Like I, this, I'm, I've never been on a board before. Now I'm in the board chair position. Like, I, I don't know how, what value I'm supposed to bring to the organization. And he makes it so clear that it's, it's those three things. It's protect the mission at all costs. So like anything inside a board meeting, like that is our focus. Is this mission oriented? What, like, what is the mission about? Um, yeah, hiring and evaluating the CEO and uh, asking the tough questions. So during that strategic discussion, like really poking holes. So that's at the top of our agenda. That's what we put as, hey, here are the three things that we do here in this board meeting. And so we need clarity on that role as the board. Um, yeah, I would say to your listeners, like evaluate your agenda. Um, if you're not enjoying your meetings, take a look at your agenda and figure out like, what are we spending the most time on and what's really wasted and how can we get that out of the meeting and maybe in some sort of like a month, uh, uh, you know, a quarterly update 
or maybe it's an email that people can just respond to, but try and get like as much waste out of your meetings as you possibly can. So you can focus on strategic discussion. Um, and I'd say the last thing, and, and this is something that Luke has come up with, but it's been uh, amazing to, it's been an amazing tool is he, he comes up with his own scorecard and he says, here are the things that I am going to get done this year. And it's a, it might be a list of 10, 20 things. Um, you know, it's, Hey, I'm going to meet weekly with my executive team. I am going to meet, you know, monthly with 20 donors and have a personal relationship with, with 20 key donors. You know, so he has a very tangible list of here are the things that I'm going to do this year. And every, at the first meeting of every month, we go through his scorecard, Luke and myself, we look line item by line item at that scorecard. And I put a zero if he missed it and an X if he got it. And uh, so every month we're tracking, hey, are you getting done the things that you've committed to the board that you're going to get done? And uh, we get to keep him accountable. And that makes it, you know, at the end of the year, we get to reward him or, uh, or you know, give him a slap on the wrist. And fortunately, we <laughs> haven't had to do that. So, yeah. So if you can come up with a scorecard, of like what are you going to get done as the executive director and submit yourself to be accountable to the board, I think that would go a long way. That's great advice. Great advice. Uh, the the accountability that what I love about that obviously is just the the accountability to to the goals that have been set. But what I also love is that you know Luke, I imagine it with your team are setting those goals, and it's not the other way around where like the board who doesn't have like the day to day knowledge of like what's the what's going to be the most impactful, right? It, it, like because I've seen this a lot of times, boards will set goals for the executive team, and they're just not aligned with internally where the organization is actually going, which is which is a problem in and of itself. Uh, but I love that the ownership still falls on the executive team to to make the goals to to understand this is what's going to drive us closer to the mission, and the board's there to support and offer help and and, and so forth. So that's great advice. All right. So uh, Luke, another question that I've thought about, and you, I think we discussed this a little bit as well, but the role of the board chair, right? I mean, there's all sorts of different roles that board members play, but I think the board chair is is obviously a very important role. And so can you help us understand why that role is so important? And also like what makes a good uh, board chair? Like what, what are their core responsibilities from your perspective? Yeah. You know, I think there are really a couple of different stages of organizational growth. There's kind of the movement stage where the board works for the executive director. Um, and that's pretty typical. That's how most organizations start. You know, the executive director is this, you know, visionary and they're kind of sharing um, about the organization and, and selling at board meetings in some ways. But then it shifts uh, to less of a movement and more of an established organization where the board is working with the executive director. And that's a stage in which I think everything shifts and you really can run mature board meetings. And for me, the primary shift that happened when we kind of moved away from the movement stage into the organization stage is instead of me leading the board meetings as the executive director, the board chair was leading the board meetings and I was showing up as a participant. Like that hmm. shifted everything uh, because it communicated to the board that the board chair is the leader of the board and the executive director is the leader of the organization. And, and that really helped me be accountable to the board. It really helped the board to drive board-centric initiatives like developing mm -hmm. a board policy manual and, hey, how can we work with the CEO, uh, not, not simply uh, work for him, if that makes sense. And I would say a couple of things that are unique about 
uh, Pat, our board chair, uh, that really helped me to lead well and serve the board well is primarily he's empowering. Like Pat is a wonderful leader and the main reason is he's empowering. So he, he's not like trying to control me. Um, he's not getting his fingers in the business. He gives me a ton of space to do what I think is best for the organization. And man, his default answer is yes. So when I share <laughs> ideas and thoughts with him, um, he, he does everything he can to say yes. And obviously he says no sometimes. Hey, I don't think it's, that's a good idea or that's high level enough. We should take it to the board. Uh, but he gives me a really long leash. I would say he's empowering. He's also really teachable. Uh, doesn't claim to have it all figured out. He's constantly growing rapidly, applying feedback, um, listening to input. So at the end of every board meeting, we do a board meeting rating. So every board member goes around and rates the meeting one to 10. And that's mm -hmm. primarily an evaluation of the board chair because he's leading our meetings. And, you know, when we started doing that, you know, he was getting, you know, sixes and sevens. And now most most board meetings, um, now that he has, you know, a bit of experience, he's getting nines. Um, I think he got a 10 the other day. Oh, and wow. so kind of putting these in place, applying some of these practices, uh, he leads stellar board meetings that people actually love to be a part of. And I would say the last thing uh, that makes Pat a really good board chair is that he's really confident and self-assured. Um, it never feels to me like he's competing with me for attention. Um, he's fine letting other people be the hero. And he's certainly not like seeking an identity in his board chair title, but he really cares about the organization deeply. And that's one of the things that makes him not just a great uh, board chair, but a great board member as well. That's great. Pat, what, what, um, real quick here, what, what's the difference between a, a six and a 10 board meeting? What, like, you know, how do you, how do you go from six to 10? Like what, what's the, what's yeah, the secret sauce? It was, uh, it was not feeling, not trying to crowd the meeting space with like so much garbage. <laughs> mm. I mean, might be important stuff, but it was like, you know, I had like the, the six meetings, you know, it was, I filled the space so tightly that there was no room to breathe. And mm. the tens are, I uh, reluctantly pulled all of that stuff out of the agenda and said, it's not super important. Like maybe it is important, but like maybe we'll accomplish it through some emails. And, uh, and I, I, I took so much out of the agenda where it was a little bit uncomfortable. Like, wow, we're going to probably wrap this meeting up in like an hour and we, we're mm. going to have three hours and people are going to think it's a waste. And those have been the best meetings when, when we've taken so much stuff off the agenda and focused maybe on one or two big strategic topics and just had a ton of breathing room for people to think, not feel pressured to, mm. uh, to move to the next item. And those have been awesome meetings. And Pat, I would say the shift was from, for you, it was from tactical to strategic. So previously the conversation was tactical. It's th those are like low level questions, action steps. It's like, Hey, what financial appeal should we make at this conference or what venue should we pick for, you know, a meeting? It was less of that. And it shifted more to big picture strategic issues. Like, Hey, should we add another program or Hey, should we align strategically with an outside organization? Or do we need to change our mission statement? Like those are two to three hour conversations. And yeah. anytime he leads, I would say the bigger the strategic topic uh, that he's leading, uh, the higher the meeting rating is at the end. Like that's what board members want to talk about is these big picture strategic conversations. And he does such a good job of, of bringing those in and leading the conversation well. That's that's great. And I think it those conversations are easier 
to have in in that type of setting you know to your point when the chair is leading it because they're not going to be like so inundated with the day-to-day of the organization right that's not going to be the, what's on top of mind they're going to be thinking one year two years three years out uh, and so it's just going to it's going to be a lot more conducive to those types of conversations the best when i think about like my experience on a board the meetings that i walk away from uh, I'm like, man, that was like, that was, that was the best thing we've had. It's when everyone is participating, when everyone is talking, when everyone's mm-hmm. collaborating, right? I've been in plenty of board meetings where it's been the opposite, where it might just be the the ED talking for the majority of the time. And so that definitely resonates, you know, from my own experiences as, as well. That's, and that's super practical uh, feedback for, for those listening. Uh, I would really encourage you if, if you're an ED or CEO that's running your board meetings, um, give it a shot. Like, talk to your chair. If you don't have a chair, nominate a chair and have your chair uh, take on the meetings and see how that changes uh, the dynamics of, of your board meetings. Again, uh, Luke and Pat, thank you so much for, for your time. It has been such a pleasure speaking to both of you. Good luck with taking the organization to the, the next level. And I look forward to seeing the growth in many years to come. Thanks. Thanks, Justin. Have a great one. You see too. you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Fundraise, nonprofit fundraising software built by nonprofit people. If you'd like to continue the conversation, find me on LinkedIn or text me at 562-242-8160. And don't forget to get your next episode the second it hits the internets. Go to nonstopnonprofitpodcast.com and sign up for email notifications today. See you next time.